0: Alright, you guys can have a seat at every campus. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Lee and I'm one of the pastors here at New Spring. I'm so happy to be here uh, with you guys today. Thank you guys for making the time to come to worship together today, to hear the Word of God. I really do believe no one is here today by accident. Everybody has, is, is here. You've, you have made the decision to come, but there was something else at work in your world today that moved you into the seat that you're in. I believe with my whole heart that God wants to do a brand new thing in each and every single one of you, and that the word that he spoke over our church so many years ago is true for you personally, along with our church today, where God says to you, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. If you find yourself in the middle of a desert season in your life, in the middle of a wilderness season, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Because God is going to do something in you to bring about new and fresh living water, bringing a garden into that wilderness that you find yourself in right now. If things are difficult, if things are are heavy in your life right now, I believe that God wants to spark something brand new to flow his living water through your heart to change the circumstances around you. I want you to receive that word of encouragement today. Also, I, b- I believe with my whole heart you guys, this word from Joel chapter 2, I believe it is it was true on the day of Pentecost and it is true right now in a very real and palpable way. Where God says in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. God is awakening our ears to hear his voice. God wants to open your ears today. He wants to speak to you in friendship, in intimacy. Psalm 25 verse 14 says that the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, the secret counsel of God. And so for whatever reason why you chose to come to church today, God has your number. He has his eye on you, and he is ready today to bless you. Amen. Is that good news for somebody today? All right, y'all. Hey, let's pray together, and then we're going to dive right in today. Father, I'm so grateful for your word. I'm so grateful for your word. Because I believe with my whole heart, Lord, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correcting, for training, and righteousness, so that men and women of God, the messengers of God, may be complete and fully equipped for every good work. I believe that your word is perfect, and it revives the soul it makes wise the simple. And so, God, would you take our minds and think through them? Would you take our lips and speak through them? Would you take our hearts and set them on fire with love for thee? What we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And what we are not, make us. For the sake of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, y'all. Well, hey. So this is the seventh week of our Stand Firm series, and what an honor to anchor it here. So we're gonna. Uh, what I want to do is give a quick recap of all these six weeks, talking through the armor of God, all the things that we've talked about to get to this point. So check this out. Week one, Pastor Brad came and gave us a message to tell us that the war is real, the battle is real. This idea, uh, I think one of the most, most amazing things to keep in mind about spiritual warfare, the war in the unseen realm, is the fact that Satan and Jesus are not equals. Not even close. Satan is barely worthy enough to be called an enemy. He is not, he doesn't have all the power, he doesn't have all the knowledge, he can't be everywhere at once. Jesus is all three of those things. He is God, ruler of the entire universe. Satan is a created being who one day is going to find his address in the burning lake of fire for all time. Congratulations. The battle is real. The battle is real, y'all. You just, I feel like every Christian needs to feel a little bit of humble and holy swagger when you think about. Your position in Christ. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being silly about it to lighten the mood here. The battle is real, and we stand in a place of tremendous victory. Tremendous victory. Week two, Meredith came and gave us this great message about the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth. Take it to the belt was the motto that came out of that. Y'all remember this? I heard lots of people saying, yeah, I was battling with this thought in my mind, but Meredith told me, take it to the belt. So that's what I did. So I, I just loved that message. Uh, Brad came back in uh, in week three, gave us a great message. Put put on your shoes of peace. May, may Get your shoes together, readiness with the gospel of peace. This deep encouragement that I feel like we all need to understand. When I go to the grocery store or the post office or at work or at school, wherever I am, I'm walking in the door with the gospel of peace. This is a huge, huge deal. Uh, the next week, Clayton talked about picking up her shield. This was This one is really big for me. When you think about the idea of locking shields together, that Roman practice in battle of, of becoming a phalanx, you know, when you think about it from a faith perspective, what we understand that spiritual warfare is a team sport. Spiritual warfare is a team sport. And we do this together as a family. Um, week five, uh, Pastor Dan came, protect your head, swing the sword, the helmet of salvation. I mean, I'm so grateful for that, just to understand that. No weapon formed against you will prosper. When you are in Christ, you are saved, your head is protected, and we get to swing the sword. The sword, not just the written words of God, but the now rhema word. That's that Greek word rhema. It's the quickened word. It's the prophetic word that helps us to be able to fight the battles. I was thinking about that with this one verse in particular from 1 Timothy. where where Paul tells Timothy and says, Keep this charge, Timothy, according to the prophetic words previously spoken about you, and by them wage the good warfare. It's very important to understand that when we swing the sword, this is our way of doing battle against the enemy, especially in the battle of the mind. Um, And then last week, Finn gave this great message about prayer in the Spirit, persevering in prayer, even speaking in tongues, this idea of of, uh, heavenly language, a prayer language. Um, So great to understand that prayer is our source. So now we find ourselves here at the end of all of these lists, the armor of God into the last two verses of this particular passage. And I get to communicate to you basically how Paul lands the plane here in a plea for prayer for himself that he might be given a word to be able to communicate the mystery of the gospel with all boldness, even as he is an ambassador in chains. So let's look at this verse, read it uh, verbatim here, and then we'll dive in. Ephesians 6, 19-20. And also for me. This is coming at the heels of verse 18 where he's talking about prayer. Pray also for me that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul, fully clothed now in the armor of God, armed with the advanced weaponry of prayer, He now asks for prayer so that he might not just stand firm, but take ground. Everybody say, take ground. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we're going to talk about today, you guys. Spiritual warfare is a team sport. This kind of prayer that we're talking about, it's a thing that we do together. And not only is prayer an individual thing by which I cultivate a deep intimacy and friendship with God, a conversational intimacy with God, But when we link arms together in prayer, what happens is that our prayers together change circumstances. Not just in our own lives, but in the lives of people on the other side of the world who are in completely different scenarios than we are, taking the gospel into places that are potentially hostile. This is a huge, huge deal. So I want to tell you guys a story that plays this out, that demonstrates the power of prayer even from the other side of the world and uh, in the hopes that to encourage you and to awaken something inside of you to help you understand that prayer is not a waste of time. Prayer is the most powerful weapon that we have. I think it is very interesting. when Paul lists out the armor of God, he finds a corollary for all of these spiritual things. So like, okay, righteousness is kind of like that breastplate. The helmet is kind of like you know salvation and the word is kind of like the sword of the spirit. He could not find something to relate prayer to. That's how powerful and advanced technology prayer is. That Paul didn't have anything he could relate it to. This is the huge, huge weapon that we have at our disposal to be able to partner with God as He renews all things. I want to share this, this story with you. Have you, ever, you guys ever gotten one of those texts? You get a text from a friend, you look at it, and you're like, oh, okay, I'll look at it in just a second. And then you look at it, and you're like, oh my gosh, something huge is happening. All right, this was one of those times for me. So this text message was from a friend of mine named Ken Kadiyama, who uh, is a part of our Columbia campus, and uh, he, he leads an organization called Crossover Global. And what Crossover does is they plant churches. They planted over 3,000 churches in their, in their uh, history, and they plant churches in a lot of countries that are hostile to the gospel, Islamic countries, that kind of thing. And so Ken sent me this text message that I wanted to read. There are, there are a handful of text messages. I'm going to take you guys on a journey through this. But I wanted to read this first one to you here. Y'all join me uh, here as we dive into this story. So Ken texted me, and, he's, and he says this. Urgent prayer. About a week ago, another brother in the, this is a North African um, Islamic Republic. I have to blur out the names for security's sake. Another brother in, the, in uh, North Africa was detained. Third brother arrested this month. His name is, we'll call him Brother A. Brother A is married with five children. He's in his 50s. He's one of our core leaders. He went to a local copier to make copies of some papers from training he received from us. Someone forgot the papers from the copying office, and the shop owner found the paper and informed the police. And when Brother A came back again wanting to copy other papers, the owner of the shop called the police who detained him immediately. A few hours ago, Brother A appeared before the court. The judge asked our brother, he said to him, They say you believe in Christ. Brother A answered him correctly, But Christ does not force anyone to believe in him, and I did not force anyone to believe in him. This angered the judge and the investigators. He was sentenced to prison, charged with heresy, and possession of banned publications to change beliefs. We have an attorney working on his case. Days like today makes me remember 1 Corinthians 16.9, it says, For a wide door of effective work is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Last week we were celebrating because in this country, in the last 10 days, our team has baptized new believers, and new churches were being planted. We sent new church planters to new unreached villages in the Sahara Desert. No gospel had ever arrived there before. A wide door of effective work is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Please pray for him. Sorrowful and grateful kin. You feel the heaviness and the seriousness inside that. The kin sent this to a bunch of our leaders. And so we all started praying immediately. My prayer, my humble prayer was simply this. I was like, God, I humbly request the immediate release of my brother who is who is in prison in this country. In Jesus' name. And every time that came to my mind, I would just pray that exact thing again. And I knew. Prayer is our weapon. That's what Ken was asking for. This is what Paul understood as well. The prayers of Christians all around the world were Paul's weapon for his gospel mission. Let's look at these verses from Ephesians 6 again. He says, And pray also for me that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to proclaim the mystery of the gospel boldly, For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul knew that when Christians prayed, he would have exactly what he asked for. A fresh word and Holy Spirit boldness. So I want to take a look at a couple of words inside this verse that really stuck out to me. And um, I think they'll give you some insight in really what Paul was asking for. So if we look at this word given... In the, in the Greek, the way that uh, words are arranged often is their way. It was their way of putting bold or italics you know, on, onto something. And if you, if you were to see the word given is, at the, is actually before the word word. So if you were to reread it in English the way that the Greek words line up, it would say, and pray also for me that given to me would be a word. Paul's emphasis is on given. Paul knew he had no power in his own words to do anything. That what he needed was a gift from God in the form of a fresh word for the specific circumstance that he was going into. That stands out to me. When we think about communicating the gospel, even to your neighbors, the people who you're in class with, the people who you just bump into, your family members, just some pithy statement, something a preacher says, some verse you read 10 years ago is not going to cut it. The thing that you need in a moment like that is for a fresh word to be given to you. It could be a scripture. It could be something else. But you need a word from the Lord in that moment to be given so that God gets all the glory. God's the one who supplies that. Given. This word boldly is really important as well. He, Paul also knew he needed the supernatural power of the Spirit to give him the fearlessness and the confidence to accompany the message one of the most consistent evidences of the indwelling of the spirit in any one of us is the boldness to be able to proclaim the Word. So check this out in Acts uh, chapter four, verse thirty one. It says, "When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. This would have been very important for Paul to receive. is in that day and age, people discussed, New ideas in the city squares for all of these you know, towns along in the Roman Empire. But Jews and Christians, because they had these particular beliefs, would have felt timid about bringing the gospel forward because of the ridicule and the, the social ostracism that would have, have taken place. They would have been cast out of society for, for sharing their beliefs. That's why they needed the Holy Spirit's power to be able to speak up about the word in this particular case. And Paul was requesting just that. He was admitting weakness here. He was saying, I don't have what it takes, so I need you to pray for me. Not only that I have a word, but I have all the boldness of the Holy Spirit to proclaim this message the way that I should. Another word in here that really sticks out to me is the word mystery. When we think about the mystery of the gospel, um, that Paul explains this earlier in chapter 3 of Ephesians. Check this out, you guys. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery is the redemption of every tribe, tongue, language, and nation. This is the the end picture of heaven and the redemption of all things. The new heavens and the new earth will be praised to God from the unified family of every tribe, tongue, language, and nation. we think about it from this perspective, we have to understand that racism at its core is anti-gospel, it is completely opposite the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, trying to move the, it is trying to move the forward progress of the kingdom of God backward in time to where all these people are segregated and completely separated. And they have their own gods. They do their own thing. And God is like, no, I want one people under one name, Jesus Christ. Do you think about what a miracle it is that we're even sitting in this building right now? Nobody in here, at least, you know, like I'm not a, a naturally Jewish person. That's not my ethnicity. It is a miracle that me, with my skin color and upbringing, would have any access to the gospel, period. But the gospel has come all the way around the world now and has met my ears and brought faith to my family for generations. It is the reason why this building exists at all. Any one of our campuses, any church, you see a steeple anywhere in the world. You look at it and you say, that is a miracle. It is all a part of God's plan to unite all things in Jesus Christ. The mystery of the gospel. It is the big deal, you guys. When we think about the state of justice in America, the way that things are so divided right now, Jesus has the key. The gospel is the key to uniting people, to bringing love to the center of the discussion and bringing people who don't look like each other, who don't have the same socioeconomic background, all to the table as one family. The mystery of the gospel. In verse 19, Paul begs the church at Ephesus not to send him any money or any people. He doesn't ask them to retweet his message or give him more likes or followers. What he begs them for is simply prayer. Please pray for me. I need a word and I need boldness. That's what he's praying for. So, continuing on with this story with Brother A in North Africa, the next day Ken sent me this text message. It says, quick update from our leader in North Africa, Our brother A slept yesterday in prison. This morning, we received information that he started talking to prisoners about Christ, and the lawyer told us they put him in solitary confinement. There it is, you guys. After some time of negotiations, the lawyer says that our brother will be released from prison tomorrow or Thursday. Look at this, y'all. The Lord will answer your prayers, and the Lord will never abandon his children grateful for you and your quick response and prayer please continue praying for the release somebody needs to hear that again today the lord will answer your prayers the lord will never abandon his children prayer works it works when we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world and our nations and our cities heaven moves God's ways and purposes are higher, stranger, more genius than ours. If you look at that, God did not answer my prayer for Brother A's immediate release. He did, he did, but look what happened. As we prayed, Brother A received, probably received some fresh word, an opportunity, and the requisite boldness to be able to share the faith. Even though it put him in solitary confinement, a different thing happened, but the tide began to turn as we prayed. So let's look at Paul's request for prayer again, focusing this time on verse 20. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. That word, ambassador, I mean, think about the word ambassador. Paul is like, I have authority. This world is not my own. This is not, I, I don't have any uh, inheritance for this kingdom, but I am the inheritor of a, a higher city. That is powerful to me, that he says boldly again, twice, this idea of a double portion. I feel like Paul is like, I need boldness, and I need boldness again, as I ought to speak. Think about this last phrase, you guys, as I ought to speak. This is the one that really, really stuck out to me. Paul is saying in this phrase, I can't help it. I can't help it. I have to. It would be weird Given everything that Jesus has done for me, it would be weird if I didn't speak up about Jesus. Our brother in Africa's testimony demanded that he face prison with courage and while in prison, share the gospel with boldness even if it meant solitary confinement. His testimony demanded it. Paul's testimony demanded that he communicate the gospel with boldness. Our brother in Africa's testimony demanded that he do that. It would not have made sense any other way. It's what had to happen. As I've read that and thought about that, this question comes to my mind. And I, w- I would love it if you guys would write this down, the, write this question down. Because it's worth considering. What does my testimony demand of me? What does my testimony demand of me? You may not be asked to, like, go, to go to prison because of your faith. In America, that's, pro- that's not going to happen. But is it possible that there is something else that your testimony may demand of you? I just got to be honest with you. I mean, uh, my parents shared the gospel with me when I was at a very young age. I feel like my own personal testimony demands that I share the gospel with my children and that I raise them up by putting the Bible in their heart every single day. I feel like my testimony demands that in the new neighborhood where I live that I go next door to my elderly neighbor who just lost his wife and try to minister to him. These are the little things that are right in front of me that it would be weird if I didn't do them because the cross actually means something to me. Every single morning I wake up completely forgiven and free and that didn't cost just nothing. Jesus went to the cross and his blood paid for my freedom right now. What does that demand of me? What does that demand of you? Could we just take just a moment and pause I want us all to consider that question and just to ask God, will you help me hear the answer to this question? What does my testimony demand of me? Let's pray for just a moment, everybody, and just consider that question. Father, would you help us now to consider that question, the gravity of it? Would you speak to us? What does my testimony demand of me? Take just a moment and hear from God. Jesus, I thank you for speaking. I thank you for how you speak to us. I pray that your freedom and grace, that the boldness of the Holy Spirit would empower us to take action on the things that we have just heard from you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. In your name we pray, amen. You guys, the next day, Ken texted me another update in Brother A's situation. Y'all check this out. Thanks prayer praise update from our North African leader he wrote thank god our brother A was released a short while ago from prison and he is on his way home thank you for your prayers your help and your standing with your persecuted brothers praise jesus joyful and grateful ken the weaponless power of prayer is mightier than armies brothers and sisters let's all acknowledge for just a moment that the enemy our spiritual enemy would love to have us think that prayer is a waste of time. That we should be taking action, we should be working, we should be doing something. like, here's the deal, y'all. I'm all for that. But the thing I find the church not doing, I mean, I feel like the church is doing tons of work around the world. What I feel like is missing is our laying hold of heaven in prayer in a way that moves things that we can't move with all of our effort and strength. Here's the deal. Write this down. When we intercede, God intervenes. When we intercede, God intervenes. Got to make a confession, too, as, as a church. As New Spring Church, when we were first getting started, we were you know, doing something different than the traditional church. And the prayer meeting, the midweek prayer meeting, was a thing that most traditional churches would do at the time. which which was great. I mean, I remember being a part of that as I was growing up. But we used to make fun of them in our early years at New Spring Church, calling them organ recitals, like praying for granny's kidney and pancreas. You you guys get it, right? Organ recital? Okay, that's what we would say and just chuckle about it all the time. It's terrible, I know, but that's what we used to do. Here's the deal. What What we dishonored and rejected, I feel like God wants to give us back again. He wants to give us a renewed heart for prayer, the seriousness of it, the joy in it. Here's the deal. Prayer is the experience of life with Jesus Christ. In the beginning, in the garden was man and woman and God in conversation. And in the end, there will be men and women in a garden in conversation with God. Prayer is what we get to do for all eternity. It is friendship with God. It's conversation. It's not just, here's my list, God, boom, 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 boom. All right, I'm I'm out. Let's go to work. It is the engagement in conversation with the God of the universe, and it changes things. It's time for us to to lean into it, to pray alone, together, early, late, throughout the day, in any way that we can. It's time to do it because of what it changes things. I want to share with you guys my personal life practices of prayer. As I was preparing this, I felt like God was like, well, you go first. And why don't you just like tell everybody what you do and see if they want to join you in it. So I want to put this challenge in front of everybody at every campus for the next 30 days to engage in this practice, which I do on most days of the week. This is a practice. I'm in the batting cage on this. I'm taking swings at it. There are some days when it doesn't go well, some days when it's incredible. But I just want to invite you into it for the next 30 days Will you join me in the practice of praying morning, noon, and evening? Morning, noon, and evening. Yes, More, thank you. Yes. Morning, noon, and evening. Let me let me unpack it for you guys like this. In the morning, I get up early, cup of coffee, I read the Bible recap, you know, that we're all all on right now. If you want to jump in on the Bible recap, just text read my Bible to 30303, and that'll start coming to your phone every morning. But I read the Bible to get my mind and my thinking aligned and everything. And I usually just, you know, wake up slowly with that cup of coffee because I don't know about you, but I'm not exactly a morning person. And uh, But this has become such a treasure to me, I do it anyway. So wake up with coffee, the Bible, start talking to God. And then I have a list that I pray almost every single day. I'll show it to you. This, this list it's my daily prayer request, and I just go through here in concentric circles, basically. I have a handful of things. I pray for myself every day, my wife, my kids, my friends, my family, the New Spring staff, and on and on and on, out and out until eventually I'm praying about current events, thinking things happening in the world. I want to encourage you to make a list, to start praying it every single day in the in the and make it specific, make it make it so clear that when God comes through for you and answers some of those prayers, you can be like, wow, Lee was right, this really works. I'm serious, guys, this is the type of thing that will change the game for you. If you begin making a list, and don't let up until you see it happen. What if one more day's worth of praying will create breakthrough in that situation? It's worth it to try one more time. That's the morning prayer, make a list. A list is not some legalistic thing, you guys. A list in prayer is a way to engage with God in conversation. If you have somebody's name on that list, you just simply ask God, what do you want me to pray for this person? And then listen for him as he shares his heart with you about that person. So many times in the morning, I will catch God saying, yeah, pray this for him, but I want you to go ahead and text him right now. And I'm like, well, okay, it's 5.45 in the morning. It's totally okay. i just say, sorry for the early text. I was praying for you and and God told me to send this to you. What would happen if our church started bringing this prayer and encouragement on a regular basis every single day for the people around us? Something might begin to break loose, y'all. That's the morning discipline. That's the morning routine. Noon prayer at 1 o'clock. It's not exactly noon, but at 1 o'clock every single day, I have a calendar reminder to stop and pray for five minutes. That's all that is. That's all it is. Every single day. There's a calendar reminder. It comes up on my phone. So I can be completely distracted doing something else. And boom, here comes on my phone. Okay, I got to stop right now. I do, what I do is I'll just breathe. And then I pray the, a, a version of the old Jewish Shema prayer, which is basically, God, I'm listening to you. And I, I love you with my whole heart, my soul, with all my strength. And I just pause and be like, I'm listening. What would you like to say to me? That's all it is. You can choose something else like the Lord's Prayer or Psalm 23, some other scripture that speaks to you. And I want you to put a calendar reminder every single day. Get your friends together, and y'all do it like as a group. And every single day at 1157 or something like that, or 1255 or 1 o'clock like I do, and stop and pause, stop everything you're doing, and just breathe for a minute. And say, Jesus, I'm all yours. Will you please speak to me? That's That's the midday prayer. The evening prayer. As long as I've been married, I've been married for more than ten years now to my wife Allie, we pray before we go to bed every night. That's a way to bring thanksgiving for the day, to be able to just like lay some burdens out before God and to trust Him to surround our house with health and peace. So I would just want to invite you guys to do that. Even if you're a single person, just make that last moment before you, you get into bed. Make that a moment of prayer and start that rhythm every single day. Morning, noon, and night. This is not a brand new practice of prayer. This is deeply ancient. Psalm 55 says, at evening and at morning and at noon, I offer my complaint and I moan before you, God, and you will hear me. Though so this is not something, I'm not giving you all some brand new idea. This is an ancient idea that is proven for centuries and centuries to be able to move the heart of God. That's what I want for each and every one of us. Morning, noon, and night. I want, you guys, I want to challenge you guys to do this for the next 30 days and see if God doesn't blow something open in your life in a positive way. I believe that God is inviting us to be a church full of intercessors and prophets. A church full of intercessors and prophets. Moses even said, he's like, I wish that all of the people of the nation of Israel were prophets. We don't need to be scared off by that word. What that word essentially means is this is somebody who hears God speak, and, and, and specifically, it's a word of encouragement for somebody else. It's just the ability to hear God to encourage someone else. Intercession, is, uh, intercession and prophecy are opposite sides of the same coin. Intercession is a word you hear from God. You're listening to him. God, this is my friend. What do you want me to pray for them? You hear a word from the Lord and you have permission to pray it. Prophecy is you hear a word from the Lord and you have permission to say it. These are two things that I feel like God wants for every single person at New Spring. If you are in Christ, you are filled with his spirit and invited into deep friendship with God. This means he's going to give you a clue about what's going on maybe in somebody else's life. And then as you continue to read the scriptures, he's going to arm you with deep encouragement to be able to help that person fight off any battle that they may be facing. Remember, guys, spiritual warfare is a team sport. We take ground together as a praying family. That's how we do this thing, y'all. So remember, in, in Joel 2, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy... You guys, these words, these are biblical inheritances for us. Finn's talking last week about praying in the Spirit, prophecy, praying in tongues. It's not just for charismatics anymore. It's for everybody. We all get to partake because it's a biblical expression of the life of the Holy Spirit in a believer. This is your inheritance, brothers and sisters. We get to start this journey. So I asked Ken if I could share our brother's story for this message, and this is is what he told me. This is the last text message here he sent me. He said, he would be honored as you share about his journey of faith. Let the church know that this brother is by extension part of our church efforts to make people have an everyday, everywhere relationship with Jesus. How cool is that? Our vision as a church is that we might see everyone everywhere enjoy an everyday relationship with Jesus Christ. This is friendship with God for every man, woman, and child on earth. As we pray, we take ground. We put on all the armor of God to stand firm. And then together we take ground. Let's pray together, everybody. Would you stand with me, everybody, every campus? We're going to take some extra time to pray for some people who our church supports. So this is going to be an extended time where we actually do what we've just been talking about. To go into things with God and to pray for him to change some stuff around the world on our behalf. So let's pray. Father, we ask right now that you would help us as we pray that you would help us as we seek you on behalf of all of our brothers and sisters listed here. Holy Spirit, I know that you are interceding for us. Jesus, you are interceding for us right now. It is such a joy to join you and to partner with you in the work that you're already doing. Would you give us ears to hear your voice as we pray? To everyone, I'm gonna just list out a bunch of people that our church supports, that you support. As I pray, whatever gets stirred up in your heart, would you pray it with me? I believe that God's going to start speaking to you. He's going to awaken your ability to hear his voice right now for prayer. So let's pray. Abba Father, we lift up before you Crossover Global and their president and CEO, Ken Katayama. I thank you that for all of the, prayer, all of the churches they've started all over the world. And I ask that you would increase Ken's grace for apostleship and leadership and that you would increase tenfold their effectiveness in planting churches over this next 12 months. Lord, for Untold, which is formerly known as Care for AIDS, for that, their co-founder and CEO, Justin Miller, Lord, I pray that you would grant to Justin gifts of healings, that you would put in his hand at the right moment the ability to transfer a gift of healing to someone, that you would let him see it with his own eyes when he is able to pray for someone and watch them be healed. Would you deeply encourage him today? For FIRM, the Fellowship of Israel Related Ministries, God, it's, it's the cry of our church's heart that you would reveal your face to your people, the Jewish people, and for every Jewish person that you would create a curiosity in their heart and that you would reveal your face to them. King Jesus, will you make it so? For their leader, Michael Mistretta, I pray that you would grant him favor. You would surround him with favor like a shield and that you would grant him open doors. I pray for, for Michael. I believe this word is true for him. Behold, I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. And I pray that would be true for Michael and that he would have a, there would be some witness to that today. Above all, God, for these, our international partners, would you grant them a word and all boldness and a fresh filling of the Spirit. Lord, for our international missionaries that we support, give them a word. And give them boldness, God. For the Davis family in Kenya, they are a spiritual mother and father. And I pray that you would multiply their family, bring their children to them, God, and expand their household. For the Reese's in Honduras, Joanna and Anthony, God, would you bring them deep refreshment. The Bible says that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And I pray that as they have lifted people from poverty in that country, that you would bless their family and their house. I pray that you would surround them with your truth, with your compassion, that you would speak to them and that you would grant them great grace. For the Sullivans in, in Brazil, I pray that you, as you have renewed their heart, God, that you would use the Sullivans to renew the heart of a nation, that you would bring Brazil back to you because of the work of the Sullivan family. For the Lowe's in Costa, Costa Rica, as you have fed them, God, and you, I pray that you would use them to feed other people, that they would have miraculous grace to be able to feed multitudes. Jesus, as you br- blessed, broke, and gave the loaves and fishes, I pray that you would give that same grace to the Low family. For the loftuses in Guatemala, Jesus, you have been their teacher and given them an anointing and a great grace to teach. And, and Lord, I just I lift this specific request to you. They need 17 teachers in their school. Would you call and raise up 17 teachers, in specifically one fifth grade teacher, to be able to go and teach at that school that, that Brandon is now leading? I pray that you would call someone into that today. We need you to come through, God. We can't do it without you. Lord, for the right family in Turkey, Lord, would you surround them with your protection and would you grant them grace for miraculous signs and wonders to be able to lay hands and heal people, to be able to, to, um, to for words of knowledge to come forward so that they might see people saved. I pray that you would give them grace to be able to interpret dreams for folks who are encountering Jesus in their sleep. Do that for the right family, Lord. For the Soule family in Belgium, Lord, uh, they are like rivers in a wasteland, and I just see Lord their their life and their light flowing like a river through Belgium and resurrecting a dead nation. Do that for them, Lord. For Twyla Andrino in in England, Lord, I pray that you would grant her vision and fresh provision for the next season. For Jana Crane, Lord, she is a lighthouse of your joy. Would you would you would you move in her life? and fill her first with, her, with your spirit so that she might shine for your glory. For Maddie Riley, Lord, I pray that you would, would fill her with your joy, and that joy would be her strength, that she would be known as the happiest woman in her region. And for Mary Elizabeth Bryant, I pray that you would grant her grace to be a mother to a multitude, to grant her great grace for that, that people would come flocking to her to sit at her feet and to learn from her. Thank you so much, God. Lord, for, for our national churches that we, that we pray for, Lord, for Pastor John Tyson, and church of the city in New York, Lord, I pray that you would send him pillars so that that church would continue to grow, that you would create a great foundation under his apostolic grace, and that you would grant him what he is asking for, which is revival in his city. And I pray that you would grant him grace to help, um, to help the wealthy dethrone mammon and put Jesus as the throne as king of kings in that city. For Pastor Jabin Chavez, a City Light Church, I pray that you give him great grace to win back all that the enemy has stolen in the lives of people in that city. All the talent, all the ability, all the gifts. Uh, uh, Jabin has a special grace to be able to help people reclaim what's been taken from them. I pray that you bless him in that. For Pastor Gerald Fadayomi and Home Church of Roswell, I pray this blessing from Psalm chapter 1 that he would be like a tree planted by streams of water, he yields its fruit in season, his leaf to stop wither, and all he does, he prospers. Bless him with that, God. For Pastor Brian Cromer, I pray that you give him great shepherding grace, that, his, that people would come home to church and that he would have everything that he needs, not only to shepherd people, but to raise up shepherds. And for Pastor Jordan in, uh, at Ethos Church in, in Ohio, Lord, I see a wave of baptisms happening at his church. People coming to be baptized, to give their lives to Christ, some brand new reviving work at his church. And Lord, we pray for all the New Spring staff, all 270 of our New Spring staff who are scattered across South Carolina, that you would give us great grace to keep going, to persevere. Lord, would you send wind in our sails and give us words in all boldness. Fill us with your spirit and wake us up to hear your voice, Lord. Give us grace to wait on you so that we might mount up with wings like eagles. New Spring Church, I bless you in Jesus' name. You will become a people of prayer. You will become a people mighty in prayer, a company of intercessors and prophets who hear God's word and pray, who hear God's word and speak words of life, encouragement everywhere you go. You will be a people who the promise of God is true for, that the word that he's put in your mouth and the spirit that he's put on you will not depart from you or your children or your grandchildren all the days of your life. Great days are in front of us, New Spring Church. And it is time for us now to worship God, to link up our voices with heaven. Jesus, we raise our hallelujah to you. And we say with all the angels, all glory to you, God. All honor to you. You have all the power. Would you seal up these prayers and give us a sign of your answers today, Lord. Would you bless us richly in Jesus' name and send us out into the world as warriors in prayer morning, and noon, and evening. Do it for us, Lord. We desperately need your help. We sing to you now, in Jesus' name, amen.